Hey everyone, this is Cameron from Renegade Animation on RenegadePopCulture.com. If you like what we do, please give us a like, a follow, and a rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to us. We are everywhere. That way, we can keep doing what we love, and that's talking about 2022 Year of Anime. And now, on with the show. What's going on, guys? Welcome to another episode of Renegade Animation on the Renegade Pop Culture Podcast Network. My name is Mike. I'll be your host this evening. Joining me, as always, is the animation guru himself, Cameron. Howdy, howdy. We've also got Teresa. Hey, everybody. And we have so much anime to talk about. This is our last seasonal breakdown for the year. We are going to Spend most of the time talking about fall 2022, and at the end of the episode, we will get into kind of our overall thoughts on 2022 as a whole. So we have four genres to cover. We have comedy slash rom-com. We've got some action adventure, fantasy isekai. What season is there without isekai? And then we have the miscellaneous the others so let's get the worst one out of the way cameron tell us about love flops the shows that we have for this season are for comedy are love flops about a young man who gets involved with about five different women through painfully mediocre rom-com tropes the little lies we all tell which is about four girls who each have a secret about them that they don't want the others to know about we have Uritse Yatsura, which is a revamped reboot of the super iconic anime by Rumiko Takahashi. We have More Than a Married Couple, But Not Lovers, which is about two classmates who end up in this weird class project thing. But they help each other get involved, like romantically involved with the person that they're actually crushing on. Then we have I'm the Villainous, so I'm Taming the Final Boss, which is a pseudo-Izekai about a player who ends up as the Villainous in the video game that she was playing. And to survive the fate of the Villainous, she decides to tame the Demon Lord in the game. We have Do It Yourself, an original anime this season about a group of girls who join the Do It Yourself Workman Craft Club. And Bochi the Rock, which is based off of a manga about a group of girls who end up forming a band together and one of them getting over her extremely realistic, crippling social anxiety. Boy, it was comedy a mixed bag. And it's been a mixed bag this whole year for comedies and rom-coms in general. Love Flops is a weird mess of a rom-com where this might be the flimsiest harem anime to ever happen because these girls, well, four girls and one teacher, which, you know, call the police, have no reason to be with this guy. And to no shock, its horniness is amplified because it's produced by Passion, the studio behind Harem and a Labyrinth in Another World, and Miyaruko-chan. So... Not great. Yeah. <laughs> and a uh, content warning. There's a lot of sexual assault and harassment jokes in the first episode and throughout the whole series. Yeah, this one sucks. I don't care how vibrant or garish the colors are in this show. It's flimsy at best 
why these girls are chasing after this one guy. I skipped it because I didn't want to be any part of that. (laughs) I don't blame you. I don't know who this is for. And Mike, did you check this one out? Yeah, it sucks. As soon as I read the synopsis, I kind of knew that this was Dead on Arrival. Actually getting to watch the first three episodes just did not help. This is, I recommend this to zero people. It's not a funny show. The romance isn't convincing. The fan service isn't really aiming for anyone except for teenage boys. But even then, it's sexualizing teenagers all the time. It's creepy. But then the twist happens right at the very end of the show that it doesn't friggin' earn. Essentially, the main character was put in a simulation. So the whole world that we see in the show, fake. Yeah, I'm as surprised as y'all are. (laughs) Yeah, basically he was put in there for an experiment to get him out of his depression and to make him feel wanted. And of course, Mm -hmm. any uh, commentary about Japan has about its society and such. And all the girls that are in this thing are made by male adult scientists catering to different whims and fetishes. And it's like, that's even creepier. So no. To justify the teacher part, because it's all in their head. Yeah, yeah, no, just no. (laughs) Just nope. The little lies we all tell. I'd hate to be a gag anime that comes out the same season as Pop Team Epic, because you're not going to compare. I don't quite get the premise, because all the marketing of the posters and such makes it look like it's going to be some scary, kind of intense, dreadful thriller kind of thing. But it's not. It's just comedy. One girl's a ninja. One girl's an alien. One is psychic. And one of them's not even a girl. It's a boy who goes to an all-girls school because his sister didn't want to go there. But since they're identical, wacky shenanigans. And it just feels like a comedy anime made with leftover parts. They don't quite fit together. The jokes don't land. It rarely ever got like, oh, okay, that's decent kind of comment this is like kind of disposable i can kind of see where the comedy what they're trying to do and once in a while i did get a kick out of the narrator who's probably the best part of the show otherwise it's like i don't see this being anyone's favorite if i skipped it um (laughs) someone on uh my anime list said this is something to watch while you're doing something else and i was like i'm gonna do something else (laughs) good idea for anyone who has yet to check this out now for Uritsei Yatsura they didn't update this this is not a continuation it's just a retelling of one of the most influential manga of all time and one of the most important anime of all time and they didn't change a thing it's set in the 70s all these characters are fairly mean-spirited and spiteful towards one another. And there's a lot of yelling. So your tastes will depend on, will you tolerate this kind of comp for the small, sweet moments and for all the, oh no, that character deserved that moments. What did y'all think of Uritsei Yatsura? I like this one. I recognize that it's a legacy title. So it definitely has a more old school style of humor. But having this be my first exposure to this apparently really long-running franchise with like, I don't know, 12 different movies, I thought they did a really good job 
Obviously, they didn't really update the material so much as give it like a fresh coat of paint. It's still like that very recognizable uh, art style. It's a very classic sense of humor. And honestly, it's just funny. That's really my overall thoughts at the end of the day. Well, I hadn't heard of it before. And then I was like on Crunchyroll and I was like, movies? What are these? And then I was like, oh, it's on High Dive and it's like totally redone. But then I was like, it looks exactly the same in terms of the animation style. And I thought that was an interesting choice that they didn't really update it too much. Just feel like the action, like editing and stuff is smoother because we have better technology now. But I thought it was fun. I definitely would keep watching it. I'm curious about the movies now. And I feel like if you like, I don't know, like you hawk a show and like all of those kind of older animes and you want to keep in that vibe, you can keep in that vibe with this show. Well, I'll say this. It's better than the Inuyasha follow-up because yeesh, did that thing go downward fast oh, yeah yeah just no i was so hopeful at first but then it just died a horrible death no i like this one it's very funny i found the characters to be very entertaining i mean when the story is about a hopeless meandering wise guy who accidentally gets hooked up with a lovely alien oni girl through extreme misunderstandings then you have to have fun with these types of over-the-top, larger-than-life characters. They're all pretty terrible people. <laughs> so I don't mind that a bunch of terrible things happen to them. It's the always sunny kind of thing. It's the Konosuba formula, where you kind of root for them, but they're not all that adept at figuring out the situation without coming off as the worst person in the room. More than a married couple, but not lovers, on the other hand. I would say this is a better show than most of the shows this season, but it's all undone by a few world-building details. Because first off, creepiest premise ever. This school puts all these students in a future husband and wife course, where you get paired up with a woman because... Obviously, LGBT couples don't exist in this world. Or maybe they do, but the, I dropped off because of the frustration of how the show is built. At first, it was like, wow, they're actually focusing on the characters. They want to build them up and their insecurities. It's a little horny. There's no denying that. It's not ashamed of it. But it's like, they're actually people. They have their own histories and ideals and their own self-esteem issues too bad that part of the course situation is the teachers are watching all the time while they are in these dorm buildings as roommates especially and every time the show wants to be fan servicey all i could think about was that the teachers are watching and that is so creepy because it, otherwise, if I told you none of the creepy aspects of this show, it's just another one of those rom-coms like that one that came out this year with uh, Chris Day and Jenny Slate, where oh, yeah. yeah, when they try to get back with the person that they love that they broke up with, but then it's like, oh, wait a minute, we're perfect for each other. It's basically that, but anime. <laughs> and it was interesting, but again, a lot of creepy aspects to it. 
Mike, what did you think? I'll admit, while I was watching it, I kind of forgot that extra step in the marital practical course where in order to earn your points, the teachers or whoever have to be watching them like at all times. If you don't think about that, then yeah, it is kind of sweet to to see these characters like sort of develop and it is a bit more on the nuanced side in terms of most rom-com anime but once you actually think about its core premise it starts to become a lot more uncomfortable during certain scenes i did not watch this one but it was gonna be too weird and you know over christmas break if i have time i might circle back to it because i'm curious but it wasn't prioritized this time it reminds me of a lot of 2021's hige hero because that show was also very interested in the character dynamics and relationships but it also wanted to have its cheesecake and (laughs) it just couldn't really balance that out. And it doesn't work here. It's a shame because I'm always rooting for anime to talk about teenage characters with their insecurities because you're a teenager. There are like a library's (laughs) worth of insecurities to tackle. So, and it doesn't help that a couple shows this season do it better yeah so if i'm the villainous so i'm taming the final boss we are heading into the my life as a villainous x was super popular let's make our own take on that show i thought this was cute and it's once again is because i like the characters their dynamics and the demon lord is adorable i love that the devil horned henchman (laughs) it's just like i need you to teach me the thing called manners. <laughs> and outside of a few clunky aspects of the animation, I think this show stands out and is really funny and entertaining. This one worked for me quite a bit. Once we get more into like the fantasy isekai shows, I will stress this point a little bit more, but the way to get me into the genre is to play with tropes and expectations. And this one... I thought did a good job with that. The characters are all well developed. The story is kind of fascinating. Definitely kind of reminds me of a Jane Austen novel, the way the characters are written. Plus, you know, it's anime, so there's going to be some supernatural elements. One of our main romantic leads is like the Demon Lord. So yeah, there's that. This is one I'm definitely going to try to finish watching the whole season. Yeah, I loved it. I love a paranormal romance anyway. So I'm all for a demon lord in any book, film, or anime. So he was my favorite. I also love the little like wolf creature, like that whole like saving them. I was just like, this is so adorable. Now they like hang out. So I thought that was great. The goody two-shoe, like the person she lost the engagement to, that guy sucks anyway. So it was just like... I'm totally on the villainous side, like, immediately. It did remind me of that other, I can't remember which one, where they're, like, in the kind of matchmaking game, Atomi game. So, I, at first, I I, ha- I was a little worried. I was of like, course. Don't, don't talk so much about how I know this level of the game, and this is how this ends. I don't like that kind of stuff, but once it kind of got in its own story and just accepting, like, oh, I. this is my character, this is who I am now. I thought it was great. I did love the joke where the demon lord was like, why are you doing this? It's like, because I've been reincarnated into this game. And he was like, 
you're messing with me. So I thought that was a pretty funny joke. I think this is like, yeah, one of the top ones that of the ones I watched this season, definitely thought the characters were well developed. I didn't mind the anime. I thought it was pretty good, especially like with the creatures and kind of showing the demon powers and him levitating and doing portals and all that kind of stuff. I thought that was funny. And I love the crow like gatekeeper. He's also one of <laughs> I love that scene in the first episode where she's like trying to push the demon lord's door open. And then he just yeah. shows up right next to her. He's like, let me help you with that. It's like, oh, thank you. And he just blows up the door. Yeah. And it's just, oh, it's such a fun little show. I love it. Yeah. Do It Yourself is probably one of the biggest surprises for me. Not just because it's an original anime, but it's like one of those cute girls doing cute things. But there's like a bit of substance to why they're doing what they are like with this crafting club and such and it's got a really cool visual style it reminds me of something of like what if cloverworks and science saru had a kid i like the character dynamics and i think it's just a overall extremely sweet show about a girl wanting to reconnect and well repair and build back up her friendship that was lost with the other girl who's like more technologically savvy and such i only watched one episode just a little bit i thought it was cute i do love a a slice of life kind of nice girls doing nice things anime it is slice of life it's a little slower paced but i thought all the characters were cute yeah i kind of have to agree this is probably one of the better examples of that cute girls doing cute things genre and i do kind of like how You know, the whole do-it-yourself thing is just as much like the external plot as is sort of Yua Serifu. By the way, that's a great pun. Her whole internal plot of like trying to mend her friendship with Purin, uh, I thought that was nice. All of the characters I thought were pretty likable. And yeah, the art style is really something unique. Yeah, it was just a nice little anime and I hope people check it out. And then Bochi the Rock which is our musical anime of the season. We always seem to have one in the fall season. Last year it was Visual Prison, and then the year before it was Hypnosis Mike. Most realistic form of social anxiety ever. God, yes. <laughs> yeah. This might come up as the next Golden Boy in terms of the most expressive anime that I've ever seen. I was a little worried about Cloverworks because I thought their 2021 output was not as good as their other years. It started out pretty rough this year until they got to Spy X Family and it was like, okay, everything's better now. I really liked this one. I thought it was very interesting. Our poor lead, the just anxiety that she goes through and just the facial expressions and (laughs) the fact that it gets to one point in an episode where she's like, man, you look really weird. And she gets sent to court because she couldn't fulfill an order and then the court's just like okay the punishment is death and it's just like no the other characters are fun to be around the music is really good just a cute little anime Teresa, what did you think i thought it was adorable i hope the first episode honestly was perfect like aging her up in that kind of pacing i always worry when they like start when they're a kid and then they're in middle school and then they go into high school but i thought it was perfect the way they chose how intense this social anxiety truly is it's been going on for way too long without any intervention 
kind of wonder about her parents a little bit, but I think they're just like, we just left her to it. And they're excited that she did guitar. I thought that was great. I thought the music was great, kind of showing like her skills and all that. I thought that was really cute. And yeah, the animation of like kind of their, her sad anxiety expressions, I think is really interesting, especially when you kind of book it with the opening and the closing credits. I just thought it really shows you who the character is. And there's all these nice like touches that I thought were appreciated. This is my favorite of the comedy anime out of everything that I've seen this season. First of all, I love that our main character, Hitori Goto, has pretty much a perfect representation of social anxiety. That makes her one of the most relatable protagonists I've seen. Like you guys said, the music is great. The other characters are a lot of fun. I love their dynamic. I love just like the ridiculousness of each like scenario that they end up in as we learn more about the band their whole dynamic becomes stronger throughout the the first three episodes yeah you guys should definitely check this one out i did like when we got introduced to the redhead character and she's just like i made sure not to get a bass because it's six strings and not four and then they're like some basses have six strings that's a six string bass her crippling under this realization like man Show this show to, like, animation classes. I think they would get a kick out of it. Or, like, that scene where our main character's in the trash can. I just adored it. Unlike our next show from the action-adventure category with Shinobi no Itoki, which is about a young man who realizes that he's the head of a well-known, historically powerful ninja clan and has to train to be the head. Then there's the Eminence and Shadow, which is a weird izakai power fantasy troll post question mark and then as we all have been looking forward to chainsaw man about a teenager who makes a deal with a cute little devil to survive in a world filled with devil hunters and monsters of epic proportion shinobi no itoki is the worst anime i've seen this season (laughs) i hated this show and not because it's problematic or it's poorly animated this is solely on writing this main character is unbearable and what sucks is that he has the right reaction to being forced into this new life that they have kept hidden from him and he doesn't want to do it and yet they're forcing him to and nobody's ever on his side or is ever thinking about his best wishes. And he's not even trained at all, ever. And they just throw him into a ninja school because with other ninja clans that will probably want to kill him and almost do in one of the episodes. It's like, screw this show. (laughs) I didn't mind it. I just thought it was wacky and like so silly, especially when he's like, I wish I had this date with this girl. And then she tries to kill him. So I just kind of thought that was hilarious. Also, I will say in terms of writing, the mom is not realistic. Like if you're someone's mother and you care about them, you would actually tell them if they're in danger instead of not telling them at all. Because maybe he wouldn't skip gymnastics going on a date if he knew people are trying to kill him all the time. So I thought that was really weird. I like the idea of ninjas like in retail and hiding in plain sight and all of that. I thought that was kind of hilarious. I love his protector girl. But yeah, it's just so silly and bonkers, especially when they like let him pass and go to school and 
He's never used a ninja suit before. And I'm just like, literally, does no one talk to this little boy? I almost watched a fourth episode without even noticing. I was like, oh, we're on episode four. I was entertained. I didn't hate this as much as Cameron did, but I will concede that the main character, Itoki Sakuraba, is probably one of the worst protagonists I've seen, at least this year. Everything that doesn't work about this show, from the fact that they've all hid this life from him to just everything that follows. It's all just because this character is such a wet blanket that I can't even have fun with the ridiculousness of there being like modern day ninjas who kind of act like gangsters in like a mob movie. They're hiding in plain sight as like grocery store managers, department store clerks, whatever. My biggest beef, other than the main character, is I don't think they're having enough fun with this premise. They take things way too seriously. And also we're following the wrong main character. Yeah, it should be the girl for sure. Agreed. For some reason, the guy gets a harem in the third episode because, of course, a wet blanket gets, like, two hot female co-leads and the other one needs to be one with the mask the only one still wearing a mask in pandemic times <laughs> needs to get over her tsundere like personality because she is annoying it's funny when they have that moment where the or the rival clan tries to kill him and then the head of that clan the one with the red hair is like you already shamed this clan and it's like You were doing that like 15 minutes earlier. You were about to kill him on that bridge that he was crossing. And it's not ninja stuff. Like these are like mech suits you'd find in a Gundam show. I don't get this show, man. It's like, and it's an original show. So there's no like groundwork to work on. And I got curious. I looked up to see what happens next in the next few episodes and it doesn't get any better. This guy does not train at all. And he's about to be sent off into a major battle. And it's like, why should I care? I'm sorry, this anime just bugged the daylights out of me. I know I'm probably being the, the most critical of it here, but... I mean, what you're saying is all true. Yeah. <laughs> true. I was just I, like, ninjas, okay, let's keep watching. And then with the Eminence and Shadow uh, content warning, the first episode, which is an weirdly anime-only storyline, which I think actually does disservice to what the actual story is about, and has sexual assault referenced, so heads up. I don't think I'm vibing with what this show's doing. Like, is it actually making fun of power fantasies, or is it just just kind of playing a very tongue-in-cheek? Because I never vibe with it. There were a few moments where I laughed, where like he threw a dagger and he's just like, shoot, I missed. And then she's like, oh my goodness, you found the hidden area where the bandits were. And it's like, oh, you gotta be kidding me. <laughs> Which I thought was like funny, but so it's like, he's making up lies in this fantasy world, but the lies are actually true. I think like, I don't think it goes far enough with its trolling of the power fantasy genre that other shows like the misfit of demon Academy or whatever that one is called, which is getting a new season in the winter 2023 drop. I just thought it was fine. Otherwise just typical power fantasy stuff. I'm kind of unsure 
where I stand on this one. The animation's fine. Some of the action scenes are pretty decent, but I may just, for my own curiosity, watch the entire series to make sure, like, I know what the show is about because it feels like it wants to be kind of a parody of those power fantasy isekai shows but then it's also kind of just doing the power fantasy anyway maybe this one is better received by other people who either are familiar with the light novels or are just more open to this premise i did not watch this one because i wasn't sure what the heck it was gonna be i was like i'd rather watch chainsaw man so that's what uh, I did. well I think that's what a lot of people did <laughs> this season. Yeah, no, uh, I thought the first episode thing being an anime only story arc did not do this show any favors because it did come off like it's a typical edgy nonsense power of fantasy. And then it's not. And then like there's the reoccurring gag in the third episode where he wants to play in the background trope of being like, you know, the Bruce Wayne to Batman. And he's just like, yeah, no, I won't get this super popular schoolgirls like hand in dating. And then she's like, yeah, sure, let's date. And he's like, what? <laughs> like, I could almost see what it's trying to do, but I don't think it vibes with me. But I understand. I know a lot of people like this show. But for Chainsaw Man, this is just a full combo, man. You get your dark comedy, your dramatic backstories and character development. Your film quality animation on every single frame. Your amazing music. The downtime is paced well. Like, I am fully caught up with this show, and I am just so down for Chainsaw Man. I think we all knew this was going to be the best show, or one of the best shows of the season. Mm -hmm. Just with its combination of MAPPA just going... All out. I wonder how big the budget for this is because it not only has a really killer opening, but every episode has a different ending. That's gotta cost something. And as usual, I hope the animators are being treated well because a lot of this quality animation you don't get unless it's like a Studio 4C production. I thought it was delightful. The chainsaw graphics were kind of a lot for me in the first episode. I was like, wait, he's literally going to kill everything in this warehouse right now. Like, oh my God. I rode with it and I was rewarded and I love the team up that he makes. But I really love the little devil at the beginning and how they like were best friends. I just thought it was the best and definitely i can see the hype it lived up to the hype and that's what i appreciate this is the anime of fall 22 because it has everything it has a great core cast of characters um obviously it's mappa so the animation is done to near perfection and yeah i am curious how much they spent on um licensing for music that they can afford to do different endings for literally every episode that is ambitious the main draw for this series is kind of the same thing that draws people to Jujutsu Kaisen and Yu Yu Hakusho. A very like tight blend of occult, supernatural, with like just gnarly action. That first episode, once you see uh, Denji and his demon pet join forces for the first time, is that's a scene I don't think I'll forget anytime soon. They find a way to make this world so interesting and compelling and all the different little details of like what all the devil hunters 
do to uh, use their powers. Like Aki uses, gives some of his flesh up for the fox devil, or Power uses blood, or Himeno gave up her eye to for the ghost devil that you see later on. It's just well executed, and the dark comedy is so funny, especially. I think it's the third episode after defeating the bat devil. And he's like, yes, I'm finally going to touch. And then his arm gets bitten off by a worm devil. And he's like, what the fork? Like, it's funny. And I think a lot of people get caught up in how horny this show is. But the fan service sexual tension side of the show is probably the most well-handled that I've seen because it's not really a fan service show. The sexual tension and how it's handled is more mature and not just let's get the horny boys to watch this show. <laughs> it's like adults. And that's so rare when it comes to a lot of anime where it just feels mature and respects its audience while still having a ton of fun. Don't get me wrong. A great show, a great English cast. Ryan Colt Levy is. Dingy is great. Susie Young as Makima's awesome. Reagan Murdoch as Aki. Sarah Wiedenheft as Power is a lot of fun. They find a way to also make the female characters and the male characters equally compelling and powerful instead of just like, boys are watching this only, so let's just make the male characters strong and stuff while the female characters are underdeveloped, per se. It's just a great show. Just a perfect anime. Maybe not one I would recommend right out the gate for people to check out, yeah. but I would absolutely recommend this show to anyone who wouldn't mind jumping into the deep end a little with Chainsaw Man, which is sad because now we got to go back to one of the most boring shows of the year with the fantasy isekai genre with I Somehow Be- Became Stronger by Raising Farming Related Skills, which is about a reluctant hero who just wants to be a farmer and falls into like shenanigans to become the hero of the kingdom management of a novice alchemist about a hopeful and earnest alchemist who wants to make a change for the world for the better using her alchemy beast tamer which is about an expelled adventurer who's a beast tamer hero who ends up with a harem of female characters because you know of course Raven of Inner Palace, which is our period piece drama that takes place in China about a woman named the Raven Consort who helps out people with lingering supernatural problems. And Reincarnated as a Sword, which is about a man who is reincarnated in a fantasy world as a sword and teams up with a cat girl because anime to thrive and become the strongest duo adventurers around we are never going to have like a purely great fantasy isekai category ever especially with stuff like i somehow became stronger by raising farming related skills this should have been a comedy the fact that they use up their one good joke in the first episode when the guy throws a carrot so hard into a dragon it explodes that should have been the show instead it just becomes boring generic 
fantasy stuff. I skipped this one. I knew, honestly, the isekai are not my favorite. I just watched the good ones that I thought would be good. And farming, no thanks. And the title's too long. They do that a lot. Just say the reluct hero farmer or something like that. This one's too dull. It's not even like noticeably bad enough to be the worst of anything. It's just kind of, it goes through the motions. You've seen this show before. You've read like a million different light novels that are like this. Like you said, had they leaned more into the comedy, would have enjoyed it so much better. But because the genre is so creatively bankrupt, it's indistinguishable from anything else that we've seen. Why did it have to give up its more comedy focused section of its premise and identity because it could have been really funny if they just focused on the character being like reluctantly pulled in he's like no i'm not going to do this and uses some funny farming related skills to get out of being the adventurer or something and only becomes like worried like his carrots are getting eaten by giant monster bunnies or something like that because the farming stuff just kind of gets dropped to the wayside, like after episode one. And it's like, why stop doing this light novel authors? I know there are some excuses like, oh, well, they have to keep writing every week. So they don't have time to make the world interesting or do whatever. They want people to read the stuff. But it's like, well, I don't want to watch this show. And I'm not going to read the light novels or the manga because... <laughs> it's all boring as tar management of a novice alchemist it's just fine it's just cute there's just not much to it you've seen this show before where i want to do my best okay i did my best and now i'm gonna go out on my own and i'm gonna make some female friends because it's a girls group thing and there's some slight yuri baiting in the third episode but it's like harmless yeah it just doesn't evoke an emotion for me i felt that way about the first two episodes but then episode three happened and the stakes got raised a little bit more. So it kind of piqued my interest. I don't know if I'm going to go back to it. I might if I have time, but it's okay. It's it's better than I was expecting, but I wasn't expecting all that much. Yeah, because then we go into Beast Tamer and it's like I was worried about it because it's an EMT squared anime title and you know what kind of shows they like to make. But... It's really harmless and not as horny as you would think it was going to be. It doesn't really focus on any etchy or fan service beats. It's really its biggest flaw is that as a lot of these I was banished from the heroes party stories go, a really flimsy excuse because the guy is not a straight on attacker. He's a scout, a scavenger, a forager. And it's like, like, did the writer of this show not play video games? If you're in, playing, like, an MMO or a uh, something like Monster Hunter, you all can't be the frontline damage dealers. You need healers. You need support. You need long-range attackers. You know, it's... But outside of that, the chemistry between our lead and the cat girl and so far, well, I've seen the dragon girl, are nice. And... Once again, dragon girls in every fantasy show have to have red hair. Apparently that's a rule. We can't change that. But it's really sweet. This is kind of the wholesome version of what would be, you know, a typical 
fantasy harem. At the very least, I like the fact that Rain Shroud has good chemistry with the beasts that he makes contracts with. But something else I noticed is just how bad his original party sucks. Like, I know we're obviously supposed to root for our main protagonist. We don't want to see him rejected from the hero's party at first. But then we see him, like, in episode three, and we realize, no, Rain got dealt a better hand. He should be glad that he left this party. I agree. His original party sucks. They don't even know what a beast tamer can do, so they don't even know that. He actually is amazing. So I thought that was like a nice twist that he wasn't just like chucked out. Yeah, I think the cute little pairing and the burgeoning harem is sweet. I love animals in all things. So I just love that he's taming all these cute things all the time. I was a little weirded out that it was a cat girl at first. I was like, you're going to enslave her? Um, Okay. And then I was like, I guess it's a contract and it's she could always say no. So it's not as creepy. So once I got over that, I really started to enjoy it and... Yeah, I'm definitely going to keep watching the show. Yeah, we've seen a lot of fantasy shows where it's like, man, how do I get a party made? I'll buy some slaves. And it's like, no, please no. That's why Rising of the Shield Hero sucks. But yeah, it seemed like it's more consensual in a way because she's like, yeah, I'll make a contract with you. And same with the Dragon Girl. So it's just wholesome in a lot of ways, or at least so far what I've seen. I really hope they don't try to lewd the future characters because they're obviously young kids and it's like please don't god we don't need that anymore anime raven of the inner palace while i don't think it's as good as fall's previous historical period drama the heiki story i think it takes a little bit of going into the first episode like getting past that point is when the show gets really good because it becomes more compelling after they set up all of this period drama and the politics within the kingdom and the relationship dynamics and such between the Lord, the Raven consort, and everyone that either works for her or is protecting her from outside forces. Like it hits its stride by the third episode. You just have to get past the first two episodes, which I think should have been its own hour long episode premiere instead of breaking it up between two episodes. Because the second episode is, I think, way better when we get to learn about our Raven consort herself. I think I agree with that. The first two episodes, which are a part one and part two, probably would have worked better just pacing-wise if it was a full, just hour-long special. But that aside, this is the kind of show that's like, right up my alley. I'm always a sucker for a good period piece. And like you said, it's not quite as good as the Heike story, but I'm still just fascinated by these characters, the sort of political intrigue. And I watched the dub of this. There's a couple others we talked about before that I watched the dub. And this voice cast is great. 2022 has been a great year for Alexis Tipton, who plays the titular Raven consort. She has a very strong personality clearly likes her own space. She has like a great dynamic with all of the other characters too, particularly her lady-in-waiting, Juju, voiced by uh, Bryn April. If you're into sort of historical period pieces with a little bit of supernatural, then yeah, you should definitely check this one out. And with Reincarnated as a Sword, I was dreading what 
the premise was going to be and how it was going to be executed. Like on one hand, it's funny because instead of being just like, oh, well, here I am as a human who's super god-like in power, being a sword leads to some very funny visuals of just like this sword just zipping around, killing all these monsters and how he has to build up his powers instead of just giving to him all at once. So far with this show, they've done a great job of not trying to sexualize the cat girl because she's a young character and just don't do that anime for the love of gravy. Just stop. But then it turns into like this father, daughter, teacher, student dynamic of the sword teaching her, but she's also becoming stronger. So she doesn't have to rely on him and his many, many superpowers. And with some great action and animation, likable side characters up until one point later on in the show, but I'll talk about that in a moment. It's one of the better Isekais of the year. And we don't have many of them, which is sad because so many come out and only a third of them ever become interesting. Yeah, I thought it was fun. Loving episode one with him just getting all the thing. I usually don't like when one of my things about the Isekai is when they do the like, I have this point. This is it. Like you're watching Dungeons and Dragons in real time. And I'm just like, I don't want to see all these numbers on screen, especially when you're doing it with subtitles over the text that's already there but in this one i thought it was really cool because it really kind of hyped up the effect that he's like really souping himself up as a sword so i thought that was great i also like how they had the different areas and how he like systematically went to each like northeast southwest like monster so i thought that was like a nice touch that they did in terms of graphics and yeah the little little cat girl's just adorable she's much younger then I feel like sometimes we get in a character. So I think because they made it younger, hopefully they will stay away from the sex part. So I appreciated that it was like more wholesome. Isekai without any of that fan service, weird cat girl things. And I just thought it was awesome that like also her backstory is she, and he says, your backstory is great. You can't evolve. You're like the last of your people. Like this is amazing. And I just want to see, you know, gave me kind of like, you know, the classic kind of like Star Wars or like you're on another planet and you have to go through your like coming of age journey. I just thought that was great. This is exactly the kind of isekai I want to see more of. <laughs> the fact that our main character is an inanimate object paired up with a, you know, a cat person their dynamic is good but this is the kind of ridiculousness that i want to see more of if you're going to keep this genre alive you have to spice it up a bit and they do that here they do that by not just making this a self-insert power fantasy yeah the sword is great but it's not like the end-all be-all there are other weapons that are more powerful but it's less about that and more just about the sword who is given the name teacher by Fran. They just have a really nice dynamic and you just want to see both of them succeed in this, uh, in their adventures. That means I very much recommend this one. The one thing that I will ding against or put against this show is the introduction of a character later on who is this 
like a rank adventurer. It's definitely a manga issue because the light novel treats the character a little differently because in the light novel, she's more of a like a slim fit character. And in the manga, they give her the fan servicey curvaceous figure look. And in the show, she is very affectionate towards children which is shown in her backstory of like, she used to run a bunch of orphanages. It's like, okay, I get it. But with the using the manga design and how it gets a little creepy, like getting so affectionate and such and invading our main character's personal space. It's a bit much, which sucks because she's like super strong and a very like reliable individual, but her character personality is off-putting. Like, I get it. They're saying, okay, we won't loot the cat girl. You gotta let us do something. The compromise is we get a character who's like glumping and motherly personality. Like it's played up for laughs. And there is this one moment where she like like our main character opens the door and she's that the elf character is in there. She's like oh, what a coincidence. And she just launches a fireball into the bathroom, (laughs) trying to kill her on spot. But otherwise, it's a really solid anime. And I don't want to say the show is like terrible because of this one character. She's not a bad character. It's just her execution is a mixed bag. That's it for the Isekais, because we are now going to Other, where we talk about the shows that didn't quite have a genre to put into like we couldn't put these in any of the other genres with my master has no tail which is about a tanuki girl who wants to become a storyteller and apprentice under this fox spirit who is really popular in a ever-growing modernizing time period we have the bibliophile princess which is a romantic drama about a bookish princess who makes a deal with a dashing prince to pretend to be his, like his wife to be. So he doesn't get harassed and proposed to by every other kingdom because of political gains and drama and such. Blue Lock are one sports anime of the season about Japan launching this blue lock program to get the best football slash soccer team the country can get by pitting multiple different soccer teams against one another in a very battle royale survival of the fittest way mobile suit gundam the witch from mercury our first gundam series on these recaps about a girl from mercury going to this school in space and ends up getting engaged or being the bride-to-be to this other female student who is up for marital grabs. But all the conflict is handled with duels with mobile suits. And we'll talk more about mobile suit revolutionary girl Utana in a moment. And then Akiba Maid Wars, which is basically gang war dramas, but with the slightly fan servicey aspect that it's all made cafes and not rival gangs and yakuza clans and such uh we'll get into that in a moment also i thought the other had some very distinct shows like my master has no tail it's very sweet and i love 
how it's all about the fear of growing up in an ever-changing world, of finding your place in it. This one surprised me. I wasn't sure what to expect. I found the journey of these characters very engaging. I know next to nothing about Rakugo. Apparently, it's just like a pretty old style of Japanese storytelling. That's what I like about these shows that kind of like let the audience in on certain cultural details. These are just kind of the, the shows that I like kind of learning about sort of the entertainment industry and like you said changing with the times all of that good stuff is there i recommend this one yeah it's just a really harmless show that i know some people are comparing to another tanuki based anime that came out way way in like a decade ago (laughs) you know after a while it's like hey it all comes down to execution nobody has an original idea anymore very true bibliophile princess is slow I think it takes a little bit to get going. And I'm wondering about how much agency this main character is going to have. But when you get past the first episode and everything starts to, like the groundwork starts to get put in place, I was hooked. And I don't think I was prepared for that i remember when we were talking about this show earlier it was we kind of described it as beauty and the beast but only if the story ends when bell reaches the library i found out once you get past that first episode that i really started to buy this very slow burn relationship between the princess and the prince by episode three that's when like they really got me hooked on the romance but yeah, I will admit, it It took a while to get there. At least animation-wise, it looks gorgeous. Probably one of the best-looking shows that I've seen this season. Just a good, slow burn drama that's not trying to be super flashy and is very compelling. And you wouldn't think that with this bookworm of a character. But I was very interested in what was going to happen in episode two when our character gets accused of something that is not her fault and it's like oh so they're not messing around a saboteur is going to get the death penalty basically and it's like wow okay can we go back to the books (laughs) (laughs) but it was definitely a hidden gem a diamond in the rough for this season a blue lock we started this year with a really good badminton anime and we're ending the year on a really good soccer football anime that i think cracked the code with how to stand out because we've had a few soccer anime this year but i think this one's super aggressive more nail-biting tension that's added to the typical shonen action sports genre gives it a fresh coat of paint per se i love this premise like squid game soccer i hate the animation of the games at the beginning i was like i don't want to watch this once we get to blue lock and the whole program i came around but it's not my favorite animation but this premise is amazing this is how you get a person like me who's like i kind of like soccer but like 
you need, I want some people to be in danger and now I'm interested. So I guess it says a lot about me, but I need some, some mayhem and some possible murder. I love the kind of mastermind guy and like the whole premise setup. I also like the idea that they're locking them in there. Literally. I thought that was pretty amazing. So I'm definitely hooked. It is anxiety inducing to watch. So I don't think I'll be binging it anymore. I'm going to take it one episode at a time, but definitely interested. The way they design these characters, they don't want to show the human no. voice, the human soul. These characters want to kill you, essentially. Like, the way yeah. that they draw the eyes and such. Oh, God, so, the eyes are so creepy. Yeah, it's just like when it gets really close on the face, and especially when the, the very first scene, when he's, like, running down the field, I was like, ah! So, <laughs> it was very intense for me. Yeah, agreed, agreed. This show is wild, man. Kind of perfect timing, too, since the day we're recording this, we just had the finals for uh, the 2022 Mm -hmm. FIFA World Cup. Just kind of perfect timing that this season we get a show that's basically Japan saying, like, hey, uh, we need to step our game, so we're going to have this absolute madman come up with, like, this really intense boot camp to get the best players for our team. And yeah, it has like the sports anime cliches, but it's everything is ramped up to 11 from the completely inhumane designs of the characters, especially the eyes, to like the actual drills that they're going through. It's all just, even in our group chat, I said like, Am I watching soccer or Lord of the Flies? It's that intense. I kind of love it. When you get to like the fifth episode, it's like, yes, they're doing great. But there's like a somberness that if you lose a certain number of games, you're not going to make it. And something happens by episode seven with a betrayal that turns into like, you maybe can't trust your own teammates. So take with that as you will. I like the animation. I It does a bit of combining both CGI and 2D. I liked it because it gives us ferociousness to the sport. Instead of just being like that one badminton anime that wasn't the one that we all liked. Where it's just like, we can do it. We're all best friends. Here it's like, we're all best friends until I may need to rip off your leg. <laughs> so that's... We'll, we'll go from there. I definitely recommend it. Along with Salary Man's Club, these are like the best sports anime of the year. With Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, I was hesitant to approach this show at first because Gundam has a huge history and continuity with different timelines and such. And hearing that you don't really need to focus on any of those timelines for this, it was like, okay fine, let's jump into this one. And how everyone was like, oh, it's just revolutionary girl Utena, but with Gundams, which is no shock since the writer worked on Utena. (laughs) Who knew what we needed for a a refreshing Gundam story was not angsty, edgy teenagers clashing against the franchise's anti-war message, but also its need to sell as many Gundam models as possible. 
because, you know, that's how they make their money, was a gay romance. It also has some of the best action of not only this season, but of the year. They let all the characters be different and diverse, like layered. You don't get that with a lot of anime, especially even in Gundam shows. Sometimes the characters are just really boilerplate or one dimensional. Here, I was like, well, I don't like that guy. But then it's like, oh, wait, I kind of like that guy. <laughs> so this is my catnip. I'm here for any and every Gundam show. So this is like one of the second shows I watched. I loved it. I'm so glad they're making it gay. I was like, finally, we get a gay Gundam. But no, I really liked it. I love this animation. I love the whole first episode was just like so riveting with like her parents backstory and then like it kind of set up the politics especially if you aren't aren't into Gundam you get it of like the capitalists hate it and then the people who like think Gundam is going to like save the human race they don't get on and that's kind of all you really need to know and there might be some you know magic stuff later and that I think was the perfect setup for this series I love that there's all these different politics and like you're kind of, I almost felt sorry for the guy who lost the engagement. Like there's so many layers to like all of their different characters. So I thought that was a really nice touch. And yeah, I'm just ready to watch the rest of the series. I have to agree. It's been a while since I've been on the Gundam train. The last one that I was really into was G Gundam. So I've got some catching up to do with the franchise as a whole, but specifically talking about this one, they have all the right stuff. Like, yeah, it's, it's the usual politics of any sort of Gundam show, but there's a bit more class warfare with this one. I think we have a new contender for worst anime dad in here, the father of the the one who is to be betrothed. And yeah, just the characters are great. They all have like unique personalities. And there's just something about the idea of all of these conflicts being settled by duels. Like no matter what the conflict is, it's just a very uh, entertaining concept. And yeah, I'm very interested to see where the story goes from here. The action, this is probably some of the best mech action I've seen in a while. Well, it's better than last year's fall mecha anime that got extremely nationalistic really fast. Yeah. This one is just a delight because a lot of Gundam's image is very much based off of Gundam Seed and Gundam Wing, where it's all very like, I don't like war, or like, ugh, I'm just a tool in a machine, and I'm going to explode my Gundam every chance I get, even if it makes no sense. Hero, I'm looking at you. <laughs> G Gundam, though. Everyone's problematic favorite. But yeah, I was really into this, and I was a little worried, it's like, well, why do we need to watch this episode zero? And then you watch it and it's like, oh, I'm compelled to watch the rest. And yeah, the class and I guess, yeah, space racism is a thing. You people were born on Earth. You're just inferior. <laughs> and it's like, what? <laughs> like, it's something I have to get used to. And out of all of the anime tropes that the Gundam franchise has carried over into every show, they carried over everyone being a little slap happy. Which, it's like, at first, like, when you watch the old ones, it's like, oh my gosh, it's almost to a comical degree of how many times pe characters get slapped. Here, it's like, it's funny in a way, but it's also like, it's like that 
not funny way of when you see someone get slapped. And dynamics between our two leads is adorable. I love them. And yeah, the side characters are all really great, all have fantastic designs. It's just a really fun show. And I'm just happy to say that for a Gundam show because Gundam shows can vary in quality. They, some of them can be really good when they're dramatic. Some of them can be terrible. And then when some of them can be great when they're lighthearted and some of them are terrible when they're lighthearted. Uh, it's just Gundam, you know, the anti-war anime that makes you want to buy all the mech models and such and such. Like with Akiba Made Wars... I don't think I was ready or willing to know. Like, I went into this one blind. I watched one trailer for it, and the show was very keen on not really giving you all the details in its marketing. And I think that's really cool. PA Works found a way to make Maids, Cafes, and John Wick combined into a trashy, ideal anime. Like, one that you don't have to be on your back heels to be like, why do you like this show? Because for all the maid stuff, it's not a very sexy show in that regards. Like, they could have done everything with the fan service with this show. But the maid cafe outfits kind of lose their luster when you watch like one of the employees in the first episode get their pigtail cut off like they were chopping off a finger and it's like, well, this ain't going to be a fan service show, which, you know, thank God <laughs> this could have easily been one, but just a wild surprise of a show. Yeah. This was kooky as heck. I was like, wait, what is happening? And I just love how the girl just goes back to work and they're like, yeah, she likes killing people, but it's like on one hand she saved her life so that's great. But on the other hand, she's like, I didn't know that's what you guys did. And they never actually really have a conversation about it. So I thought that was a little kooky. But I love the kind of, I like every episode, I didn't know what I was going to get into. Didn't think it would be gambling in the second episode. And I definitely didn't think it would be boxing in the third one. So I like that it kept me guessing. I'm also so confused about these maid cafes. I'm sure... There's gimmicky cafes more so in Japan. So it's like a almost a culture thing. But at the same time, I was like, is this a real thing? I, like they almost had me believing it. So I think that was a testament to the story. There's just something I enjoyed it. It, it was a little like consumable or like almost like junk food. Like when I watch it, I'm like not that invested in the story. Like I can watch an episode and probably walk away and come back in a year and be like, oh yeah, there's a show. There's something element to that. But I definitely was hooked on the the first three. It is truly absurd. Not just because it is mixing the sort of John Wick style world building with the industry of maid cafes, but it's absurd that it works. And it works really well. Like you said, they don't try to make this fan service. Really, as far as they go is just the fact that they're wearing maid outfits. But that the world building is actually compelling. They find themselves in all these various shenanigans. Episodes two and three, I liked a little bit more just because there was a bit more going on. I get that the first one, you, you kind of have to set up. You kind of have to establish the world that they're inhabiting. But episodes two and three, with episode two being a casino and episode three being 
the boxing. Those are just more interesting because you already have the world set up. So here is just some really high stakes like shenanigans. This is just a really entertaining original anime that's it's something that combines two things that I did not think would work together as well as they did. Well, it's like I thought with the Akiba Maid Wars thing and how they would like censor everything in the promotional trailers for the show. It's like, are they going to fight aliens or monsters or something and be like really trashy about it? It's really running on the premise of, well, as a lot of anime and video games like show, it's like, oh yeah, there's like a maid cafe or a themed cosplay cafe on every corner. It's like a Starbucks. (laughs) They're on every corner everywhere. So let's make the cutthroat nature of those businesses like the driving force of the action. So they just basically turn everything into the Godfather mixed with John Wick with everyone wearing maid uniforms. And the fact that like in the first episode, the older maid character with the one with the actual like combat skills and such, which by the way, anime, you guys got to stop making 30 sound like oh you're old news and such i know there's a term for it it was used in only yesterday (laughs) it called christmas cake and it's like come on 30 is not that bad y'all like oh my gosh the ideal popcorn trashy anime that you can just turn on and watch it's not even like interested in general with an overarching story or some commentary outside of yeah, we just turned the combative challenge of running a maid cafe to 11, and we're not going to say sorry. <laughs> well, before we talk about overall, what were your five recommendations be for this season? Um, Sure. I would go with, of course, Mobile Suit Gundam, The Witch from Mercury. I would go with Chainsaw Man, of course, is my number two. Number three, I really liked Bachirok. I think it's very compelling and interesting and like original. So that would be my three. Four, I think I would go with I'm a Villainous. I really like that one. And five, I'm going to go with uh, Reincarnated as a Sword because it was so out of the box and it actually made me want to watch an Isekai. In alphabetical order, I would go Akiba Made War, Bochi the Rock. Chainsaw Man, then I would go Raven of the Inner Palace and Reincarnated as a Sword. I think I would go Chainsaw Man, Gundam, The Witch from Mercury, Akiba Maid Wars, Bochi Rock, and Do It Yourself with I'm the Villainous and Not a Married Couple but Not Lovers and Uritsa Yatsura as honorable mentions. But I think in general, like as now, let's just wrap up with what our overall thoughts for 2022 in anime were. I think it started out slow with the winter season. Spring picked right back up. Summer regressed back. And fall picked it back up. Not as good as last fall because, you know, we had Komi Can't Communicate, The Faraway Paladin, and Ranking of Kings. Now one, but the shows that were really fun are really good, make up for whatever misgivings the flaws of the previous seasons had for this year. It's going to be interesting to see how fan service shows do, because with Crunchyroll buying right stuff, 
they were basically forced to push all of their fan service, hentai, softcore stuff off the site for a entirely different site. And for the fall season, we did not get Immoral Guild because I'm assuming that it got a little too close to porn for any high dive or crunchy roll to really say like, no, we're not going to touch that. <laughs> like, we're not even going to take the risk. We saw what happened with interspecies reviews. We're not doing that again. But we also had some issues with the overall anime industry with, once again, they're having trouble keeping employees and animators around because of stuff like Uncle from Another World has still yet to finish its 12-episode run because it had to get constantly delayed. Ooh, that and, sucks. Yeah. And I don't think we have all the episodes on Netflix yet. I'm not sure. I don't think so. And now Disney is also putting their hand in the game with Bleach, the Thousand Year War arc, or whatever that one's called, the new Bleach season. And that new Science Saru follow-up to Tatami Galaxy that are now on Hulu, or at least Hulu here in the States. The fact that we covered 91 different anime, I think we could have pretty much cut out half of them because the sports anime outside of Salaryman's Club and Blue Lock were trash or just weren't as good. A lot of multimedia projects did not pan out. Just too many isekais. There are just too many shows that are feeling like they're just slightly different but not all that different from other shows. And if I'm having trouble comparing two shows and saying what's different about this one and this one, it's like that office meme where it's like, can you tell us the difference between these two photos? It's like, it's the same photo. (laughs) (laughs) That's the thing because like there is the strongest sage with the weakest crest. And then the demon Lord reincarnated as a nobody. Oh, you mean those are two different shows? They look so similar. (laughs) and then we also saw stuff like cloverworks pretty much overworked their studio because they had like three shows in one season and it's like slow down yeah there's a lot of bloat i would say when i was trying to look at kind of each seasonal section i definitely have kind of a lot from spring and not very many from summer um and fall was just okay i feel like there's like some really big hits like spy x family like chainsaw man like like i knew coming like those are gonna be big but definitely i feel like when it's good it's good and when it's really boring it's like oh my gosh kill me now which is not great which means they've got to stop overworking people and pick and choose and give them more time to put out more shows but i know it's competitive so they're kind of going this Netflix point of view, like more anime, we need more all the time, which honestly is not sustainable um, for sure. Um, I will say that I can kind of tell I used to not really be a slice of life or something like that. But I feel like when those are good and kind of touching, especially like the rom-com like Sasaki and Miyano, like I, when it's slow and like taking its time and it doesn't have to be fan service and all of that, anime can really shine and like when it's really like not trying to be a copycat. Um, so I think there's hope. There's a lot of good shows and 
I was thinking about like Teppin, the like dancing one, the horse racing one. Like there's so many like ways that they can go in so many different directions, but they keep coming back to Isekai and doing the same thing, long title thing. And I just, why? I guess it's easy to get it approved, but I'm starting to question how sustainable it is. Yeah, it's just too much anime. It's like, it's becoming to the point you cannot ignore it anymore. The demand for anime is outweighing how many people can actually work on these shows, where studios are starting to have to co-collaborate with one another or take on three shows at once. And it's like, don't do that. I mean, granted, the collaboration stuff works. I mean, Spy X Family is... With Studio Wit and Cloverworks, and that's one of the greatest shows of of the year. But that's not always going to be the case. I just want to see more diversity within its storytelling. Like, if you're going to be an Izakai, I want you to stick to your premise instead of just giving us one episode of like, oh, you might actually know. What I'll say is we've been doing this show for about two years now, so... I feel like I have a better idea of the kind of shows that I personally prefer. And one thing I've noticed this year is I've noticed that Izakai has basically just gotten repetitive with only like one or two shows like really kind of standing out. But like the genres I've gotten into a little bit more are some of the romance shows that really stuck out to me were uh, Shikamori's Not Just a Cutie which was a great rom-com from the, the spring. spring. And yeah, I don't think there's another sports anime that's going to be better than either Blue Lock or Salaryman's Club. And then, yeah, as far as like the action stuff goes, Spy Family and Chainsaw Man are like the breakout hits of the year. So one thing I want to see moving forward is I want to see the envelope continue to be pushed. I want to see diversity in basically all genres don't be afraid to experiment with combining different genres or doing anything you can to subvert expectations and for the love of god if you're going to keep isekai going do more things like reincarnated as a sword animation is supposed to be limitless so the only thing that's stopping you is your own imagination and so many lack it i want to see anime get weird i want to see shows like fanfare of adolescence the horse riding one or like your boy kong ming which still might be my favorite anime of the year oh god that one was so good and with rom-coms i want the relationships to be interesting i don't want to feel like i know where this is going or have a fun hook to them like aharen is indecipherable where both of our characters are about as dense as dirt (laughs) i loved going back and watching that show being like, oh no, what happened to Aharen? And then he thinks of something super absurd. And then she's like, no, I, I just woke up on the wrong side of the bed and that's why my hair is like this. And he's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. It is really unfair that Disney Plus internationally has kind of held certain shows hostage. Like, what was that one that everyone was talking about that we oh, never... yeah. Um, Some, summer summertime, summertime rendering... Yeah, yeah that, we never got that. Wow. So unfair. And yeah, the sequel to Tatami Galaxy, 
was just kind of quietly tucked away on Hulu with like zero fanfare. Yeah, or if you're going to be like a parody of a thing, just go all out with the parody. Like we got two different Power Ranger parodies this year where with Miss Koroitsu at the Monster Development Department and then Love After World Domination. Mm-hmm. Like I loved those two shows and I thought they were good. Or we get some like out of nowhere original shows like Healer Girls with all the musical aspects of that show and our Dance Dance Danceur or Diamond, which is about that like mm-hmm. sweets shop or what was the uh Isekai that was like the best of the summer of oh, Parallel World Pharmacy, where it's like, oh my gosh, it's actually a good doctor medical drama. I want anime to keep growing. I want it to keep getting interesting, but I need everyone to be on the same page. Don't be ashamed. If you want to be trashy, be trashy. It's okay. If you want to be fan servicey, be fan servicey. Just don't try to feel like you need to be more than you are. It's okay to just stay in your lane. Or if you go out of that lane, go all out. <laughs> I thought it was a good overall year. It had its ups and downs. And as usual, like a third of the anime are actually great. I do appreciate the fact that while we did have rusted armors, nothing was like quite as bad as like X arm or yeah. or, or Revenge of Healer or that. Yeah. Uh, oh, what was that? Etitan Deities one where it's just like, oh, yes. screw that show. Like, there was nothing like super offensive. They were just like offensively boring. If the worst you can be is boring, I'm all for that. Fine. I'll accept that. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that'll be all for. I think the last podcast for this year, because we'll we'll take a break because of, you know, Christmas and such. So hope you guys have a very happy holidays. And until next time, Teresa, where can everyone find you online? You can find me at Teresa Electro. Um, that's Teresa No H on all social media platforms. And Cameron, where can everyone find you? You can find me at Cam's Eye View on Twitter as long as it stands. And on Hive, <laughs> and I finally made a Mastodon account, even though I have no idea how that worked. I have my own website called camsiview.biz, where I review animated films and shows from around the world called The Other Side of Animation. I have a link tree at linktree.com or whatever it is, slash camsiview. I have a Patreon at patreon.com slash camsiview. That's where you can find me. And you guys can find me on Twitter and Hive at CaptainK42. You can check out my quick thoughts on letterbox.com slash CoachK42. And you can follow Renegade Pop Culture on Facebook and Twitter at RenPopCulture. You can also find us on YouTube, on Podchaser, on the Banana Meter. Listen to all of our podcasts on Anchor, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, etc. And last but not least, everything can be found at RenegadePopCulture.com. Need to escape? So do we. That'll do it for this episode of Renegade Animation. We will catch you guys later. Peace out.